The last test we had, it was talking about the people giving willingly in the tabernacle. Um, And we determined out of Exodus 36, and well, Exodus 25 and Exodus 36, it, it talked about the people giving willingly. But in Exodus 25, it was where um, God told Moses to go to the people and ask for that offering for the tabernacle. And we know in Exodus 12 is when the people um, went and asked for the Egyptians to give them the offering, you know, the things that they were asking for, and God opened up the Egyptians' heart to give it to them. So we know that what they got, it helped um, to build the tabernacle. It was used for the tabernacle. So we talked about also um, the tabernacle, but we talked about the courtyard in Exodus 27 and what the courtyard represented. Um, The tribes were around the courtyard on the north, south, east, and west. They were surrounding the courtyard. The courtyard was made of fine twine linen, meaning that it was white. And we know that that white represents purity. It represents the righteousness of God. So by them surrounding that tabernacle and seeing the courtyard, now one thing that they could not see was what was inside the courtyard because the walls were so tall. But when they saw that white courtyard that was surrounding them, they knew that they could not go inside that courtyard or approach that courtyard any kind of way. So that's why that white surrounded it. And that courtyard was even made of um, bronze, which was brass, called brass as well, and silver. So the bronze and the brass represents um, judgment for sin. So when they were making the courtyard, they put that in there to let them know that sin had to be judged. They also had the caps made out of silver, and silver meant redemption. That means that the price had to be paid Um, in order for their um, sins to be taken care of, a price had to be paid. So when they saw that courtyard and that bronze and that silver, they knew what it represented. So God wanted them to know that they couldn't do this on their own. So then you get to the gate. And when you look at the gate, um, it was made of blue, it was made of purple, and it was made of scarlet. The blue represents heaven. The purple represents royalty, which is a king, and the scarlet represents blood. So they knew that the way to go through that gate, they needed a sacrifice because going through the gate, they're seeing the patterns of heaven, how God does things in heaven. He's a king, and without the shedding of blood, there's no remission of sin. So when they got to that gate, they had to have a sacrifice. At that gate, that's when they come to realize I can't do it on my own. My what I cannot um, die for my sins. I'm gonna have to have that perfect lamb, that perfect sacrifice. Now we determine as well that the sacrifices and the animals that they bought, bought to um, be a sacrifice. Um, each person, um, the poor, they could bring pigeons or um, what we say was a pigeon or a um, who. Dove. Was it a dove? It was. Was it a dove? Wait a minute. Let me go back. Turtle dove. Yeah, Jennifer left the turtle off. I knew I was seeing turtle dove. Did she? Okay, so it was a pigeon or a turtle dove. So that was for the poor people. But then for the people that had, you could bring what that lamb 
and the goat or whatever for the people that were up in high rank. So what we determined on that was even in our giving, God already know what we have. He know what each person is capable of giving. Some people may not uh, give what other people give because he said give um, not grudgingly or out of necessity. You give from the heart. So we know that this is what they had to bring. But anyway, they brought the lamb to the gate. Now, we know that gate represents Jesus. He said, there's no other way unto the Father unless you come through me, which is Jesus. So when they brought that lamb to the gate, it had to be without spot. It had to be without blemish. It had to be a perfect sacrifice right at that gate. Now, understand, when they come to that gate, the Bible said, I will enter his gate with thanksgiving in my heart. Why are you entering that gate? With thanksgiving, it's because you know you cannot do it yourself. You know you have the perfect sacrifice. So you're so thankful that the sacrifice that you're bringing, guess what? It's that sacrifice, and it's not me. So you you are thankful. So tonight, what I want to talk about, we're going to go inside now. Remember, the outside was the courtyard. And when they got up, those tribes, that's what they saw. They saw that courtyard. They could not see over into that courtyard. That's why they made it so high. But God wanted them to know the only way you can um, approach me, it has to be my way of doing things. You have to be in right standing with me and knowing that your sins are going to be judged and know that a price has to be paid. So when they get to that gate, they got thanksgiving in their heart because they're bringing that lamb to the gate. Now, let's talk about what's on the inside. When they get to the gate, this is what the priest would do. The priests have to check the animal that they're bringing to make sure it's a perfect sacrifice. I'm going right back to Exodus 27. And verses 1 through 8 tell you about the altar, the brazen altar. It tells you how he want that altar, how high he want that altar. It tells you about the horns of the altar. It tells you about um, the altar was made of bronze. Remember, we term, determined that bronze means judgment for sin. So that whole altar was made out of bronze. So I'm going to start here with the purpose of the altar. The purpose of that altar was to bring that animal sacrifice to be put on that altar so blood can be shed to atone for sin. So that sacrifice was going in the place of the individual for atoning for sin. So when they got the um, sacrifice on the altar, this is what they had to do. They had to lay their hand on the head of that sacrifice. By laying their hand on the head of that sacrifice, they were saying that this should have been me but this sacrifice was given on my behalf to cover my sin and my guilt. So this sacrifice is going to be slaughtered on my behalf to cover my sin and my guilt. So they had to recognize that this sacrifice was going on their behalf instead of them. Let me give you a scripture. Leviticus chapter 1 verse 4. Leviticus chapter 1 verse 4. And he shall lay both his hands upon the head of the burnt offering, transferring symbolically his guilt to the victim, and it shall be an acceptable atonement for him. Now, this is what's happening. Imagine, y'all. We know that we have done something that we should not have done. We have sinned. 
That's why the Bible says all of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. There is none righteous, no, not one. There is no, nobody that's good. So what we have to realize, we ourselves could not be that sacrifice because we were full of sin. So the only way that we can approach the Father was through that sacrifice. And we're going to get to Jesus as being that final sacrifice. So they knew what I do is not going to get me to the Father. I have to bring a perfect lamb. So they knew they were guilty. Isn't this something a murderer know that they're guilty? They know that they committed the crime. But all of a sudden, somebody step in on their behalf, and they say, I will die on their behalf. We go back to... um, Barnabas is that his name when he was a murderer Barabbas when he was a murderer and by him being the murderer um, they wanted Jesus killed instead of him and he knew he committed the crime this is how it is when they went to that brazen altar they knew they were guilty but they were bringing that perfect sacrifice on their behalf to lay down his life for them, for what they did for that sin so when you go through that gate you smell nothing but blood And when you go through the gate with your sacrifice, they put the sacrifice, the lamb, on that brazen altar. Your hand is laid on the head because you are identifying with that sacrifice that he is covering my sins. He's atoning for my sins. He's being slaughtered on my behalf. And you recognize, and this should have been me, but God had mercy because of this lamb. So that's how we have to look at it. So this is what they were doing. And we see Leviticus 1 verse 4 is telling you what happened with the sacrifice and the hand that was laid on the head of the sacrifice. And Leviticus 17 11, listen at this. It says, for the life, the animal soul is in the blood. And I have given it for you upon the altar to make atonement for your souls. For it is the blood that makes atonement by reason of life, which it represents. So this is what it's saying, that it is the blood. Without the shedding of blood, according to Hebrews 9.22, there is no remission of sin. So blood had to be shed. So when that animal was killed, blood was poured out around that altar. Blood was put on the horns of the altar, and we're going to go over that and why. So all of this happened right at that brazen altar. So when this was going on, they recognized this animal is dying on my behalf. It should have been me, but God is having mercy because of this sacrifice. So that's why that brazen altar was there. It represented sin and guilt being transferred from the individual to that animal, meaning that that animal took on all of their sin and all of their guilt. This is why we are forgiven for past, present, and future sins. Our sins is not what's going to keep us out of heaven. What's going to keep us out of heaven is rejecting Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. You hear people talk about so much about, you know, if you keep sinning, you ain't going to heaven. This is what you tell them. Sin ain't my problem. Because Jesus paid the price for sin. That's why he died on the cross. My problem is accepting what Jesus done. So you see in a lot of the world thinking that they can save themselves, thinking that they can be good enough, thinking that they can give all that they have. You see all these stars, you know, they're giving out cars, they're giving out this, they're giving out that. They're feeding, you know, the people that's hungry. That's good works, right? 
But their good works is not going to take them to heaven. They have to be a heart change. They're going to have to go through Jesus Christ in order to get to the Father. So today, we have to recognize what Jesus have done. Even though we're saved, and we say that we're saved, if we recognize what he have done for us, then we wouldn't tolerate sin. We wouldn't be putting up with sin. And people say, it's so hard. No, the way of a transgressor is hard. You're not a transgressor. So don't say it's hard for you to stop doing this or stop doing that. You have to go back on what Jesus have already done. When you think about that Jesus died for all sins, there's not a sin that he didn't die for. So these people had to recognize, I'm a murderer. I'm guilty of this. I'm guilty of that. But once I put this perfect sacrifice down here on my behalf, it's getting transferred to him. And that's how I can approach the father. Isn't that something? So God was really foreshadowing, foreshadowing what was yet to come through Jesus Christ. So we see Leviticus 17 and 11 says that there's life in the blood. So he gave the life of those animals on their behalf because blood had to be shed. According to Hebrews 9.22, it says, And almost all things are by the law purged with blood, and without the shedding of blood is no remission. So blood had to be shed. Let's talk about this. How does the brazen altar represent Jesus Christ? Let's start here. Y'all know that Jesus was on the cross. And this man that was on the cross, the Bible tells us that he was sinless. There was no sin in him. None could be found in Jesus. He was the perfect lamb. He was the perfect sacrifice. I'm reminded of a scripture, and I'm going to go to the scripture right quick. And it's in one of the gospels, and I'm just going to paraphrase it while the Holy Spirit is bringing it to my remembrance. Y'all remember John the Baptist? And when John was saying that Jesus was the perfect lamb, he was the perfect sacrifice that hath come to Um, do away with sin John was letting them know it's not me it is him that's going to be that perfect lamb that perfect sacrifice so John even recognized that because through from the old testament on up to the new that's all they talked about was Jesus Christ you know him coming the messiah and how he was going to do away with sin but they thought he was going to set up a kingdom when he come but Jesus was coming to do away with sin what was separating us from God Remember God said in Isaiah 59 that your sins and your iniquity have separated you from me. So when those people saw that courtyard and it blocked off the tabernacle, they knew they were separated from God. And the only way that they could get to God was by having that perfect sacrifice. That perfect sacrifice that I'm talking about for us is Jesus Christ. You cannot do it yourself. I don't care how good you say you are. I don't care how much you come to church. I don't care how much money you give. If you have not accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and your Savior, you will not get to the Father. And the way we accept Jesus is by knowing what he done on our behalf. That's what that brazen altar represented. The only difference dealing with Jesus was Jesus laid down his life himself. Nobody did have to tell Jesus to lay it down. Jesus came on his own to lay down his life. And I want to stop there because when I look at this altar, when we're born again and we have accepted Jesus and we know what he done for us, nobody don't have to tell you to quit doing what you're doing because you have the Holy Spirit. And what the Holy Spirit does, he convict you of righteousness now that you're saved. He don't have to convict you dealing with sin. 
because you are saved now. The only thing he's going to do is remind you of who you are now that you're in Christ. So with the help of the Holy Spirit, when you're doing something you don't supposed to do, the Holy Spirit is going to remind you of who you are, that you are a new creation. He's going to remind you that old things have passed. Behold, all things have become new. We have a choice when it comes to sin. Some people are so used to doing what they do, they think it's okay. That's why we talked about Sunday. What are you wearing? When you get so used to wearing something and you think you look good in it, you don't want to take it off because it has become a part of you. But with the help of the Holy Spirit, as soon as you put it on, the Holy Spirit will check you with that. That don't reveal the glory of God. That don't bring God glory. That don't make people see who you really are in him, to see the righteousness that you stand for in him. So immediately you're going to take it off because you know you don't, it don't belong to you no more. That's not what I wear. I wear the robe of righteousness. I have on the whole armor of God. So dealing with Jesus Christ, Jesus was that perfect sacrifice. He who knew no sin became sin for us. So we can become the righteousness of God. And I love this last part through him in 2 Corinthians 5.21. So we know that Jesus is the perfect sacrifice. We can't do it ourselves. And I'm feeling in my spirit that some of us are still trying to make things right within ourselves. Making it right means if I do this or if I do that, then it's going to work out for me. I want to give you some good news. It's already worked out for you through Jesus Christ. Jesus done worked everything out that needed to be worked out. Quit wearing yourself out trying to find this verse of scripture to get this done or that done. You're looking at the word of God because you know that it's already done. You're not pulling out the word of God to get something done. That's how we miss it. If I'm pulling out the word of God to say, I have to do this to be healed. I have to quote by Jesus Christ, I am healed. No, I speak that. I decree and declare that because I know what I am. Not to get something from God, but know what belongs to me from God. I was sharing with Athea in, in prayer today. The Lord brought this to my attention. He said, I'm upholding all things by the word of my power. So he was reminding me, every time you speak my word, when something is going wrong in your life, he said that word is going to change it because I'm upholding everything with the word of my power. All of us in this room was created by his word. When God spoke over us, when he spoke over our bodies, when he spoke, you know, let there be, it was. So when something is going on with us and we begin to speak the word of God, our bodies is going to respond to that word because we were created by the word. That's why he said, I uphold all things with the word of my power. So if we're feeding ourselves that, which is spiritual food, every day and we're reminding ourselves who we are now that we're in Christ, your body ain't got no choice but to do what you're telling it to do because God has given you that right. Because he said, I'm upholding everything with the word of my power. So when Jesus walked the earth, Jesus said, I came to seek and save those that are lost. So Jesus knew his mission. And he didn't take his mind off of the mission of God. No matter how um, trouble come his way, came his way, no matter through trials and tribulations, Jesus stayed focused on what God sent him to do. The word became flesh. And the word dwelled among us. Now look at this, y'all. We represent Jesus. We're his temple. So as we go about our day, the word is becoming flesh and it's dwelling amongst people because we are speaking that word. We're living that word. So guess what? There's a tabernacle right there in front of them. 
because we have the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit on the inside of us. So Jesus knew who he was, and he knew what his mission was. So this is what Jesus said in Mark 14, 24. Jesus was preparing himself to go be with the Father. He was preparing himself to be crucified. So he was letting them know, this is what I want you to do. But in this verse it said, and he said unto them, this is my blood of the New Testament, which is shed for many. This is when they were having um, bread together, which represented his body. You know how we have communion on second Sundays is because it's bringing us into remembrance of what Jesus done. We don't take that bread and eat it because we're hungry. We don't take that bread and eat it trying to get healed. We take it because it's reminding us that we already healed, that Jesus took too many stripes on his back for us not to be healed. Then he, he was saying that dealing with the wine that they took and dealing with the grape juice that we take, he said, this is um, my blood that is shed for many. So Jesus was letting them know, by you partaking of my body, by you partaking of my blood, then you're partaking of me. And see, this is where people miss it. Because when we really do communion, it's helping us to identify really who we are now that we're in Christ Jesus. It's helping us to identify what he's already done, what he has already done, not what he's going to do. So he was letting them know, I'm getting ready to be crucified. So if, if you partaking of me, then you're making yourself a part of me. The only way you can be part of me is partaking of me. And some people don't want to partake of him because they said, oh, my life is going to change. Oh, yeah, it's going to change for the better. You're getting ready to have some everlasting life, some eternal life, a life that does that keep going on and on and on. Even when you die, you're still alive because you're in Christ Jesus. Let's look at 1 Peter 1, 18 through 19. Peter was saying, for as much as ye know that you were not redeemed with corruptible things as silver and gold from your vain conversation received by traditions from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. So Peter was reminding them, he said, you were redeemed by the blood of Jesus. So see, there go that blood on that altar. When they saw the shedding of that blood, when that animal was slaughtered and they saw blood everywhere they knew that their sins were atoned for but there's a difference between Jesus and what he did and what they done in the old testament in the old testament their sins were covered meaning that they had to continually give these sacrifices year by year to atone for their sins can you imagine y'all giving all of these animals every day for sin can you imagine Every time you do something, you got to come bring an animal to atone. It's just covering that sin. It's not doing away with that sin. But God sent a man whose name is Jesus that he made the final sacrifice that done away with sin once and for all. It's in Hebrews 10.10. It says here, but by which we are sanctified, that means set apart, made holy through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once and for all that means Jesus died once and he didn't cover sin he done away with sin when something is done away with it's over it's over he took care of sin so what is our problem if Jesus took care of that sin 
then why are we still acting like sin is still um, having dominion over us? Because the Bible says, whomever you yield your members to, that's whom you're going to obey. We're going to deal with some things while we're here on this earth. But if we know what Jesus have done for us and the price has been paid for that, then we're going to just say, "Uh uh-uh, that ain't me no more. I don't do that no more. So we're going to get rid of that knowing that Jesus have already died for it. So we're not going to participate in that. We're not going to have any fellowship with the um, unfruitful work of darkness. We're not going to fellowship. We're not going to participate in it because we know what Jesus done. That's why it's so important when you get born again, not just to say I'm saved, but begin to renew your mind, knowing who you are now that you're in Christ, knowing what Christ have done for you. This is why people are working so hard to get something from God. How do I know? Because when I went through something in my life, I was working hard, y'all. I would go in that word, I would quote, 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 saying if I don't quote, it ain't going to happen. It ain't going to happen. It seemed like things was getting worse. But then when I found out Jesus already done it, I just need to accept what he has done And then I can live in what he has done. So the more I will renew my mind saying it's already mine, I don't have to do nothing to get it. I don't have to pray longer. I don't have to speak in tongues longer. I don't have to fast longer. Only thing I have to do is accept what he's done. Key is, if I accepted him, already accepted what he done. But the enemy had me thinking I had to do something to get what Jesus had. But y'all, when we accept him, We got it all. See, that's the part the devil don't want us to know. The hardest thing is accepting him. But we make it hard when it comes to everything else. You got him, you got everything he has. Because God said, if I have freely given you my, he said, if I have given you my son, how much freely would I give you all things? That means it's a total package. Salvation is a total package. So when Jesus done away with sin, why did he do away with sin? He said, because it's separating you from my father. So God don't want to be separate from you. So by me laying down my life, you have access to the father by accepting me. There's no other way, y'all, to the father except through Jesus Christ. Buddha can't get you to the father. Muhammad can't get you to the father. I ain't seen Muhammad nor Buddha raised from the dead. Have you? They still dead, and I don't even know who Buddha is. You just see a big belly man sitting up there, and they say, that's Buddha. And they worship Buddha, give Buddha apples, give him oranges, and, you know, saying he's going to help do this and help do that, and it don't look like nobody have eaten them apples yet. But that's what they believe. So this is what we have to believe. If we are believers, then we're going to have to believe in what Jesus done and quit depending on what we supposed to do to get what Jesus has already done. So we have to understand we already have it, not because of what we would ever do, but because of what he's already done. Another scripture is in Hebrews 10, 14. For by one offering, he hath perfected forever them that are sanctified. One offering, he hath perfected them that are sanctified. Do y'all know through Jesus Christ we are perfected? That means everything in our spirit is so pure, it's so holy. There's nothing wrong with our spirit. The only thing we're dealing with is that soul and body, your mind, your will, and your emotions. And if you don't get them under control, you're not going to get what the spirit already have. So the enemy, no, I can mess with your soul all day long. That's why the Bible said that you got to renew your mind. 
In order to be transformed and changed to who you really are, you have to renew your mind to say, that's not who I am. This is who I am. We're here on earth, but we're from heaven. That means that when, when people see us, they should see heaven. They shouldn't see earth. I'm going back to Mark and Mindy, I tell you. Mark come to earth, but he couldn't get where he was from out of him. Whatever Mindy did, he went right back to where he was before. Well, this is how we do it over here. So he stuck with where he was from. Can you imagine, y'all, when things happen in our lives that we're sticking to how heaven is? Because that's how we were um, transformed. That's how we was renewed in our minds. So when somebody say that, we say, no, 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 no. That ain't true. They say, it is true. Don't you see what's happening? I'm not a knowledge. I'm not saying that that's not what we're seeing. But truth is, this is what the word says. I'll go back to what the Lord has shared with me this week. He brought back to my attention Abraham. It says that Abraham considered not, you know, that he was too old, that he was old. He considered not uh, the deadness of Sarah womb. But the Lord had me to look at that again. When you look at that word consider, it means he acknowledged that he was as, uh, old, meaning he couldn't do nothing. He acknowledged the deadness of Sarah's womb, but he did not become weak in faith. Even though he, you can acknowledge, okay, I'm not feeling good. I acknowledge that. You see, I'm not feeling good. I acknowledge that. But truth is, by Jesus Christ, I'm healed. So I'm not going to be weak in my faith because I'm not feeling good. I'm going to stand strong in faith, giving glory to God. How do my faith become stronger? Because I am not focused on how I feel. I'm focused on where I'm from. And where I'm from, there's no sickness and there's no disease. So that's how Abraham got through it. He said, because I'm fully convinced that what God has said he shall perform. It ain't my word, it's God's word. So I'm not going on, I'm, you know, I'm this old. I'm not going on that her womb is, is barren. I acknowledge that's fact, but I'm going on what he said. So this is how Jesus was. Jesus didn't deny that there was no tax money at the time. He just told Peter, you go to that, that lake or the wherever the ocean and the first fish that come out, get my money out of his mouth. Because Jesus knew where he was from, so he didn't let taxes bother him like we do. Oh, Lord, them taxes get higher and higher. But guess what? I got a father who already knew they were going to get higher, so supply is already here. I'm giving you glory, God. I have the supply already. Somebody may say, husband or wife may say, well, where did you get it from? I have a father who already provided it for me even before it was sitting before me. So this is how Jesus was. Jesus only focused on his mission concerning the father. So he laid down his life. He done away with sin from once and for all. And then in Hebrews 10, 18, it says, now where remission of these is, there is no more offering for sin. Y'all get it? There's no more offering for sin. It was done once and for all through Jesus Christ. So we need to stop trying to do something to get God, to get something from God. It's already been done through Jesus Christ. That's what we need to remind ourselves every day. I'm not doing this because God has already done it. You know how sometimes the enemy is saying, well, you ain't get this from God because you didn't do so and so. 
No, I didn't get this from God because I was disobedient to what God told me to do because it's already mine. So I don't have to work for it. I just need to hearken unto the voice of his word. I need to be obedient to what God is saying. It's already mine. But the reason why the manifestation had come because I'm being rebellious and not taking heed to what God is saying. It's already been worked out for me. So that's what Jesus wants us to know. Your sins have already been taken care of. You don't have to do nothing to get rid of sin except, except what Jesus has already done. Let's talk about the horns on the altar. The brazen altar had horns. Horns. Those horns were made of brass, of bronze. They were bronze or brass. We know that represent judgment. But those horns were a symbol of power and strength in biblical times. When the sacrifice was made, blood was dabbed on the horns of the altar. Why was it dabbed on the horns of the altar? Signifying the power of the blood to atone for sins. Remember those, those horns signified power and strength. So when the blood was dabbed upon those horns, it was letting them know that there is mighty power in the blood of Jesus Christ. It's the same way. They looked at those horns as saying there's power in those horns to atone, atone for sin, to cover sin. Let me give you a scripture on that. Psalms 18.2. The Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer, my God, my strength in whom I will trust, my buckler and the horn of my salvation. And my high tower. Why was David saying he was the horn of my salvation? Because he's my safety. He's my deliverance. When I accept him, I got the whole package. I'm delivered. I'm healed. I'm saved. I'm set free. In the Old Testament, what they would do when they would do something wrong, and they know they done something wrong, they would run to the altar and grab hold to the horns of it. And they would not let it go. Because they were saying, have mercy on me. You can check this out in 1 Kings chapter 1, 50 through 53. There was a man who grabbed hold to the horns of that altar because he know he'd done something he should not have done. So when he grabbed hold to those horns, he was saying, have mercy on me. And guess what? They didn't kill him. Because he knew that those horns you know, had mighty, they had power, they had strength, and they were going to atone for his sins, cover the sin that he done. So this is what the horn represents. This is why, you know how we have an altar call? And we say come to the altar, it's just symbolic, and we lay down things that we know that we shouldn't be holding on to because we know that Jesus already paid the price. Have you ever seen people come up to the altar and just wouldn't let it go? They just wouldn't let go, they just stayed there. They just stayed there. The ones that are staying there and that are crying out, they're not recognizing it's already done. They're not recognizing that the price has been paid. But some that come up, they hold on because they're saying, God, I can't do this by myself. I need you to help me. There's another problem with that. I gave you the Holy Spirit to help you. See, that's why we have to get taught in the word of God. You know, some people say, I'm just going to stay at the altar all night. For what? I'm just going to boo all night. For what? When you know what he's done, you should be having tears of joy and saying, God, it's already done. I don't have to stay here all night to get nothing done. I'm going to pray all night. For what? People say they pray all night. They got to get a breakthrough. 
But if you know that Jesus already made the way, we should be praising God and saying, God, I thank you that the way has already been made. So we have learned that brazen altar that they approach, it represents Jesus Christ. It's a symbolic of him. And when Jesus laid down his life for us, let's say that when we accept what Jesus has done, it's just like us laying our hand on that sacrifice and said it should have been me. But God have had mercy. And Jesus died on my behalf. He who knew no sin became sin for me. So I can become the righteousness of God through him. So when we recognize that every time the enemy throws something up in our face, we will say, uh-uh, I have already been cleansed. My sins have already been done away with. I don't receive that in Jesus' name. So that's what the brazen altar represents. Now, if the Lord's willing, next Tuesday, we'll go over some more furniture that represents Jesus Christ, and it will show you the order of the church and how God wants things to be. So this right here, this brazen altar is showing you we can't do it ourselves. You know, Jesus was the final sacrifice. He didn't atone for sin. He done away with sin once and for all. So we should not allow sin to separate us because sin can't separate us from God no more because it's been done away with. What separates us from God is not accepting what Jesus have already done. So whatever you're going through in your mind, whatever you've been trying to do to get God to do something, you need to be rejoicing right now and say, God, I don't have to do nothing but accept what Jesus done, have faith in what he's done, knowing that it's already done. And I can be fully persuaded that whatever you have promised me, that you will perform it. That's where we're supposed to be today. That's how the church is supposed to be. Do not wait on a preacher. Do not wait on anybody to try to do something for you because it's already done. Only thing you can do is begin to give God praise and glory for what he has already done. Amen. So, did I give you enough scriptures? Yeah, John one twenty nine. Thank you, Jennifer. That's when John was saying, Behold the Lamb of God who take away the sins of the world. Look, y'all, they even recognized. How did they recognize? Because they knew about the Old Testament. They knew the law. So they knew how things work. And look at us. Got a Bible. And some of us are still ignorant because we choose not to go in the Bible. We got to go in here to know what the Bible says. This is why we have Bible studies. This is why we have fellowship coming together so everybody can be on one accord. So when somebody asks you something, you can give them an answer dealing with the brazen altar. You can give them the answer dealing with the courtyard. And why did God set all that up? Because it was symbolic to what was yet to come. And it was representing Jesus Christ. Everything represented Jesus. And that's how we supposed to be. We supposed to be representing him. And we supposed to do it well. Amen. John 129. And that last thing about the altar was 1 Kings chapter 1. 50 through 53. That was the horns of the altar. Uh-huh, it represents um, power and strength. In Psalms 18, verse 2, David knew about the Jesus being the horn of my salvation. Ain't that something? 
If I got Jesus, I got everything that I need. He's my safety. He's my rock. He's my fortress. He's my strength. He's my everything. We have church in a minute. Sure will. Don't the word bring life? Don't it, don't it help you to really think about things with what you've been thinking and it transform your thinking and say, wow, thank you for reminding me. I don't have to do all this. I just need to give him glory for what he's done. That's why in the Old Testament, y'all, these people knew they couldn't do it. They trusted in that prophet that was a mouthpiece of God to hear what he had to say. Once he spoke it, they did what he said because it was coming from God. Them people didn't have to work for what they needed. Only thing they had to do was trust Jehovah. He didn't have them in that wilderness without anything. Only thing they had to do when things popped up was call on him and he already done fixed it. Water from a rock, bread from heaven. Can y'all imagine some bread coming down from heaven when you get hungry and when you ain't got no money? Oh, thank you, Lord. We get tired of that. <laughs> Lord, I want some meat. <laughs> so I give God glory that the more that we get into this, the more it's going to open up about the order of the church. So I'm taking each piece um, slowly. So by the time we get to this New Testament, we're going to be like, wow, I know how order supposed to be. And so when you go inside of churches, you're going to be like, uh-uh, uh-uh, that's not God. That's tradition of men that make the word of God of none effect. I don't have to do that to get nothing from God. I'm not partaking in that. Mm-mm. That's not how God does things. We're going to do it like he does it. Do we have anything from last week that um, you caught hold of dealing with the courtyard that have helped you? Anybody? The week before? Nobody? Okay. <laughs> it was, wasn't it? You know they had to have something dealing with that too. When they smelled that stench, they knew. It was being atoned for. Without the shedding of blood, there's no remissions of sin. We give God glory. We have any announcements?